Our second lesson this morning is from the first letter of Peter, beginning in the second chapter, at the second verse. And as I read this today, I want you to imagine that you are a first century person. And more than that, if you can imagine that you are a rejected member of society with very little power. I want you to imagine that you are somebody that very few people care about. As you hear this letter, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it may, you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, then, who believe he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of the one who called you out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we hear these words, we imagine people who are rejected or cast out from their nations or their schools or their economy. And we know what that is like. And so open our hearts to hear this word and to receive your word as a message of hope and a challenge to sing your mighty works to all who are outcast and rejected, that they may know the value that they are held in by our merciful God and may me know the very same. 
And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When our girls were very young, my eldest girl came home from school talking about a song that the teachers, her teacher had taught her and her Sunday, or her, her kindergarten class. She said that it was a very famous song and that we should know it and that it was about, it was sung by the singing rocks. Well, we thought this was very interesting and that we were sure that we did not know any song that a kindergarten teacher would teach the kids or that there was any real group called the singing rocks. But we talked more about it and she insisted that this was a very famous song and that we knew it. So we asked her to sing this song to us, and it went. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But sometimes you get what you need. And it turns out that Mrs. Candleaft in the kindergarten in their, their elementary school would sing this to the kids when they were complaining about not getting what they wanted. And she would assure them that you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. And my daughter would tack on to the end of that, um, that, and sometimes it's what you want. And so we discovered that the singing rocks were the Rolling Stones. And we just thought that this was wonderful, and it became a little bit of a mantra in our house when the tantrum or the whining started. You can't always get what you want, and they would be like, ugh. So we thanked Mrs. Candelaf for that. We don't know what Mick Jagger would think about it. But there are times when there are lines from songs that just will not go away or melodies that will not go away, and they become such a part of our culture, and they get reappropriated for different uses and reinterpreted. And it's very interesting how then they connect the generations, so that for us, it was the Rolling Stones, and for them, it is the Singing Rocks. And how wonderful it is when this happens with music, our hymns are a hundred years old and some of the themes go back to the Reformation. The Beatles song, Blackbird, was inspired by Bach. We Shall Overcome and so many of Pete Seeger's songs were inspired by folk music and gospel. We are constantly connecting through music and creating community. And what the people of the early church needed was community. Because that first Peter letter that we read was not a letter to any particular congregation. They were not writing to the Ephesians or to the Colossians, but this was a letter that was general for all churches. And it was probably written by one of Peter's disciples. And they put it in his name so that it would have authority and the purpose was to encourage the people in those first communities. 
And they were people who were discriminated against because they were following Jesus. But more than that, these were the people who were just rejected or powerless. The people in the early church, by and far, were slaves and women. And a lot of these women whose husbands were not following Jesus. And if we stop to think about it, we can understand how the one who welcomed the rejected and would touch and heal women and was there with the lepers and those no one valued. We can understand how people such as that in the first century would long so much and resonate so much with Jesus' teaching. Jesus has welcomed them, and Peter reminds them, you are valuable. You are not rocks on the ground to be trampled and kicked around. God has picked you up and chosen you to be precious, to be a part of a community built on Jesus, to proclaim God's love. God values you. God loves you. God gives you a purpose. This is the God in whose goodness there is mercy and compassion, and you are God's people, scooped up by mercy and compassion and built into something wonderful. Do you remember in that film, The Cider House Rules, how the head physician and keeper of the orphanage would say goodnight to all the boys. You kings of New England, you princes of Maine, became words of belonging and hope and value and worth to orphan boys. These were the sweet words heard by the early church. Now, most of us are not among the powerless, but we have probably known at one time in our lives what it is like to be powerless. We may have been powerless over an illness. We may be learning what it is like to be powerless through age. We may have found ourselves powerless at one time or another in a relationship or powerless to find that job. We may have known at one time or another what it's like to be rejected. And I think that in today's culture, we have a longing to have a place, a place where we can be with a group of people with whom we can gain strength and know compassion. And more than on Facebook, although you know I love it. And we do connect that way. But we need a physical place where we can come together and shake hands and hold one another and bring a prayer shawl or a casserole. 
we must not consider our situation exactly analogous with the early church, otherwise we lose that social justice edge. But we can relate to the power of these words to know that we belong to God and that we have a community in which we are not valued for our accomplishments or for our wealth or our status or our power, but just because we are children of a loving God and God has picked us up and put us in a community of faith. And just look at the walls around you and see all of the stones and see how they are different colors and different sizes and different shapes and some of them sparkle and some of them are rough and some of them are smooth and each one is an integral part that has been built into this place in which we come to experience God's community. Now, we are the living stones. And you're going to love this. First Peter is not just a letter. First Peter, in these nine verses, is quoting seven songs. Seven songs, lines from songs that he has pulled out of the Jewish scripture. He has just pulled out line after line after line and taken his favorite Hebrew words and poetry and song and created another song. You heard one of the lines early this morning, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good from that song, 34. I am laying a cornerstone in Zion, song from Isaiah 28, from which we get, Christ is made the sure foundation. My singing is not up to par today. I did better with the stones, right? And then there is that song, 118, which we sing every Easter and say, the stone that the builders rejected has become the head cornerstone. And God will be a stone that tripped over, that people stumble on, Isaiah 8. Hosea 23 is a love song between God and God's people. Once you were no people, but now you are my people. You are a chosen race. I formed you that you might declare my praise, a song of redemption from Isaiah 43. And then a line from Exodus 19 to slaves who had just come out of Egypt. To slaves, you shall be a kingdom of priests, not slaves a holy nation. And Psalm 118 goes back to the very first little scrap of scripture that we have in our Bible. That Psalm 118 goes back to Miriam's song when Miriam stood by the Red Sea after the slaves had escaped from Egypt, after they had come through and Moses had parted the waters and Miriam stood there and sang and led the women in song and the men in song singing a victory song. Singing has always been 
integral to worship. There are so many reasons to sing and worship. We sing for joy. We sing for gratitude. We celebrate, or Israel celebrates, national victories. They celebrate new leaders. They are songs that tell of crying out for help. And others about receiving help. The songs teach us history and inspire us with hope and strength. Or as the 23rd Psalm does so often, calms us when we are afraid. As St. Augustine says, the one who sings prays twice. It is not only the words and it is not only the melody. It is the physical act of singing. We take God's spirit by breath into our bodies. And we, when we sing hymns, the breath flows through us with a collective wisdom of faith, and we are connected to the church through all time, back to Miriam. And then we are connected with one another. Christ, our center, is that connection with God to the core of our being, which is why the music ministry of the church is so important. Singing unites us. And one of our core values that we found in our vision study was that sense of belonging. It is important for us in our identity here to know that we belong. John Bell is a music person from Scotland who tries to get congregations singing together. And one of the points he makes is that when we all try to say a prayer together and we speak it, especially a prayer or litany that we've never spoken together before, that everybody speaks it at a different speed and we stumble over the words and some people are louder and some people are softer and quite often speaking together just becomes a holy mess. Yes? Yes. But when we sing, there is a regular beat, and we're breathing to the same beat. The music keeps time for us, and when we miss a note or get on completely the wrong verse, you know how this happens. We've got everybody else there singing to help us find the right note, the right words, to lean over and point in the hymnal to which verse we're on. We do that for each other. Our cry choirs, did you hear I almost said criers? Our choirs are beautiful singers, but they are Miriam dancing on the shores of the Red Sea, proclaiming 
God's spirit, God's goodness and thanksgiving and graciousness and lament all the way back through our history. Sometimes we think of them as performers, but they are here to lead us and to get us singing and to get our hearts beating at one with each other and with God. They are always here, like the stones in the buildings around us. And sometimes we forget what gifts we have in them. And so we take today to recognize all of our music ministries and to thank you. What I would like to do is to have those who in our various choirs stand. And we've already had junior choir and carol choir standing before us. I don't know if there are people here who have sung in our Youth Sunday. How about Revelations? Stand. Other Revelations? Stand. Wonderful. Are there bell choirs? People who ring. Any parents who bring their children for the children's bell ringers? Any parents who bring their kids to the children's choirs? How about those who have sung in the men's chorus and our first service singers? And anybody from the chancel choir who's not already standing? Let us show our appreciation. We thank you all so much. We thank God for the gift of music. For by our choirs, we are not only living stones. God has built us into community and given us a place of belonging that we may proclaim the mighty acts of God. We are not only living stones. We are the singing rocks. Awesome. And amen. <laughs>